beautiful people. Welcome to the Kickback Podcast. My name is Kira Joy. And this is your boy, The Hearst Ride. We're out here with a great episode of the Kickback Podcast. We're out here with some great topics and we're going to get to the bottom of them. Yeah, so th- today we just really want to start talking about everything that's been going on in the world. It is unprecedented times. That's I've been saying that so much over the past couple of months, just unprecedented. As you, we know, with the, the coronavirus pandemic, that was just the start. And then we are now in month two or entering month two of the protest against police brutality stirred on by the murders and deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. You know, it's we're really reaching a tipping point in our culture where we're really starting to question the role of police and what's their responsibilities to the communities and how should they be acting. Um, and it and it really feels like if we don't change it now, is it going to change it all? Like, uh, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think that honestly, it's it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing that this is all happening now. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is because the coronavirus allowed everybody to be in the house, right? Which allowed a lot, a lot of people to be with not a lot of things to do. Mm-hmm. And if there are a lot of things to do, you're all sitting still and being quiet i think with that that allowed for videos to be digested a different way mm-hmm. see throughout at least my lifetime there's been several several different occurrences of racism and, and police brutality and murder uh that was racially driven yeah and all of them have been on video all of them has been shown and nobody really did anything about it because we've been so desensitized to violence within our communities within our entire culture within the entire human race so now that you're home you're not busy you're not running around you're right. not worrying about yourself now it's a big problem mm-hmm. and i think it absolutely should be a big problem yeah i think we should force people's hand and a lot of different things these politicians force their hands this president force his <laughs> hand these these police chiefs Force their hand. We need to force their hand for some reform uh, because it, it makes absolutely no sense why people have to live in fear of the people who are supposed to serve and protect. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, I saw an image the other day and it really just like rattled my soul. It was an image of armed troops, like, you know, actual mer- military personnel. And within those... And within these, the set of four images, it was also a an image of a police officer in full riot gear, right? And, you know, if you just were to ask, like, which one of these are the police, you know, nobody would really be, like, encouraged or happy to answer any of these people look like the police. But it, to me, in my opinion, in that image, it just looked like the most armed personnel in that image was... The police officers and I wonder what kind of distrust that instills within communities where you know your interactions with police if you're at a protest you're being faced with riot gear tear gas rubber bullets if you're in the street you're being faced with excessive force you know how how can you build trust within the community and actually have uh, an, a, a system that works to protect the residents of these communities if we don't even like it's not a secret a lot of people of color just if you're in trouble you rely on your neighbors you don't call the cops that's just not a thing that people do because 
we've been taught and we've been shown that's probably the most important part is that it's not just something that we're being taught it's something that we're also being shown mm-hmm. you know the, we're not supposed to trust the police we can't trust that the police are going to either listen to us or have good intentions with us you know we might end up getting falsely framed or falsely arrested or we might be told that we're we're making too big of a deal out of something and then get no assistance at all. So what's the point in calling the police? A lot of people are asking these questions now. Right. And I, I think they're all valid questions. Um, first of all, with policing, I do want to preface this by saying all police officers aren't bad. So don't think that, you know, here at the Kickback Podcast, we're saying, oh, man, all police are the devil. You know, all police are terrible human beings. That's not the case. It's not the case at all. But when you say all police aren't bad, but you consistently see images and depictions of police harming people who are mm-hmm. supposed to protect, doing things to people because of the badge, because of because they can get away with it. And you see police committing crimes and not being charged. It gives off a sense of what are you for? You know, um, I actually looked up a statistic here and I, I looked up this statistic and it said that 99% of police who commit wrongful acts, whether that be murder, brutality, whatever, they are never tried or convicted. They never go through the penal system. Now, let me ask you a question. If me, just myself, Forget my color. Normal citizen attacked a hundred people, physically wronged them. How many people would it take for me to physically wrong before I was thrown in the jail? One. Exactly. Maybe half of one. Maybe an allegation of one. Right. So the police are held under a shield, you know, and, and the whole thing they say, you know, blue lives matter. Okay, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, these are all protests against our protests of Black Lives Matter. So when you're saying Blue Lives or All Lives Matter, what you're truly saying is, <laughs> we don't care about your little cause, okay? We actually look at your cause and, and say, that's cute, you know? It doesn't matter. You don't matter, you know? Your life doesn't matter. Our lives matter. And I've seen several different you know depictions and and actually seen a couple memes which I, I thought they were really funny I've seen some memes that said um, here's my house it's on fire <laughs> hey go help me my house is on fire wait I have a house too and then you start they start spraying their house and they the start one that's watering the house what about my fi- house <laughs> the house that isn't on fire is getting watered you see where that's a problem like we're not saying, you know, in, in in the context of that meme that all houses don't matter. All houses do matter. However, when there's a fire at one, you don't call the fire department and have them spray the entire block. You right. have them spray that one house because right. that's the house that's in need. And that's really what people are saying when they say Black Lives Matter. It's never that all lives don't matter. Right. It's the problem of all lives can't matter until Black, Black lives, lives Matter. matter. You know, we're, we're, we're singling out a particular segment of, of human population and we're looking at the things that they are facing, the 
racial injustices, the economic injustices, the health care injustices that they are facing. And we're saying, hey, they are being faced with, you know, unfair treatment just because of something they can't control. You know, we need to stand up and fight for their rights. That's what that's all it's really saying. You know, yeah. all lives matter because black lives matter. All lives can matter. That's really what it is. Yeah. And, and, and that's all it is. So, you know, it's I always find it, you know, shocking and appalling whenever I see somebody who says all lives matter or I see somebody who says, well, blue lives matter, too. Well, the blue that you wear is not your skin. You can take the blue off. You can quit that job. Mm-hmm. You can get another job. You can get fired from that job. You can go home. Take the blue stuff off, go play ball, and nobody ever know you're a cop. You don't wear your badge 24-7. See, right. me, I can't take the skin off. Yeah, no, you know? matter, no matter how... <laughs> no matter how hard, how many, you know, creams that you use to lighten your skin, or, guess what? Or how many shades lighter of a foundation that I'm wearing. And I'm not going to ever be able to step away from being black. Okay. I even, even if I adopted some kind of mentality where I didn't see myself as black... Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the rest of the world isn't. You know, regardless of how I might even view myself, right. there are going to be opinions and biases that are formed based off the fact that I'm black, that right. I have uh, dark skin, well, darkish skin, um, <laughs> brown skin. <laughs> um, you know, I have Afrocentric features, I have curly, I have black hair, you know, just little things about myself that I have absolutely no control over is going to cause people to have certain opinions on me. Like, um, we talk about things like the black-on-black crime statistic that people who are against um, police reform or Black Lives Matter like to, you know, throw out there. And we always tend to forget to think about, like, all the other factors that are going into that, you know. We, we need to talk about over-policing. Just when you're in a poor neighborhood or you're in a neighborhood of color, it's more likely that you're going to have a higher number of officers per resident in the area, which means that there's going to be more incidents that are possible to, be, to cause uh, altercations or incidents with the police or arrests, whatever that might be. Also, that same statistic that it doesn't really, you know, consider the fact that it's counting the repeat offenses. So if you have a 50% um, violent crime rate, but it's only 1% or 2% of the population who's repeating these crimes over and over again, yes, it looks skewed, but in all actuality, the majority of the people that you're judging actually are good people, good law-abiding citizens who want the same things that you have. Liberty, justice, freedom, you know, just the rights to walk down the street and not have to worry about, you know, do I have a hoodie on? Am I I too big? Am I walking suspiciously? Is there somebody who's out there who thinks of themselves as a vigilante? You know, we don't want to have to think about those things. And, you know, black people and people of color are just so much more likely I'm I'm looking at two different studies, one from Harvard, another from UCLA, Mm -hmm. that found that black civilians are more likely to experience things like uh, excessive force, including being handcuffed without, you know, disclosing why they're being arrested, 
being pepper sprayed, uh, being pushed to the ground, chokeholds, you know, all these different things where they're also more likely to be, like I said, arrested. They're re black and people of color are arrested just at a higher rate than white people are. Mm -hmm. And even if you start, even if you adjust for all of the differences in previous records or you know neighborhoods or whatever, if you make all those adjustments, you still see that there's some kind of disproportion when you know a certain population a certain culture is the dominant culture of this country you would think that proportionately you know we're going to look at these grand schemes and numbers mm -hmm. that they would be more proportionate to the actual population and i think that we need to start looking more critically when we hear these stats like okay here's the raw number but right. why why like I, I always wonder if people are asking the question why do you think that's happening they're not <laughs> um, they're not. So, so <laughs> I'm going to start off with, with this analogy, right? I-95 is a highway that is in Philadelphia where we're shooting this. And on I-95, there are police at certain different points of the highway. Mm -hmm. Now, the speed limit on I-95 depends on which part of I-95 you're on. Sometimes it's 55, sometimes it's 60, what have you. Now, if you doubled or tripled the amount of state troopers who sat on 95, there will probably be a double or a triple amount of speeding tickets mm -hmm. that are dished out. So, if our communities are being policed two to three times more than non-minority communities, what do you think is gonna happen? Right. By proxy, not because there's more crime, Right. but because there's more police, mm -hmm. there's, there's more of a presence of course of course there's going to be more more arrest made mm -hmm. of course there's going to be more treatment and of course the rest of america is going to look at our communities as oh they're just criminals right the minority population makes up the majority of the population in the federal prison system the federal prison system and how many prisons or beds are needed in the prison system are determined by public school public school children in fourth grade mm -hmm. now how old are you in fourth grade nine eight nine eight nine years old so if you are struggling in school when you're eight and nine the system says you young poor man or young poor woman young poor girl young poor boy you are going to end up in jail because you can't get school correctly right and that's on school to prison pipeline. I really like I remember being out in the streets in high school fighting against this because mm -hmm. I was like, I just thought it was so absurd. Like, how can you even judge a child at that like tender of an age mm -hmm. and determine whether or not like everything about their entire future, determine whether or not they're going to be free or if they're going to be a slave to the prison industrial system. You're, you're telling the child you're like you're telling like you're telling them and then you see resources being pulled away from education public education and mm -hmm. so of course of course when you don't have education to support people you're going to see more people with less ways and less right. access of ways to get out of the situation that they're in it makes poverty cyclical and people need to recognize that the cyclical nature of poverty right 
leads to violence. People are stuck. They're, they can't find a way out. They, they might only have options to sell drugs, or that's how they see their world. That's right, how they're right. viewing their world. They only have the option to be in a gang or to sell drugs. And, you know, we spent more money and we spent more time feeding back into our communities, you know, saying that the education of these inner of these inner city kids, of these rural kids matters and we need to pour back into that, make sure that they have a solid foundation so that they can go out into this world and be productive. So so let me tell you something about children, right? So I'm 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 a big historian of effect. I'm a big historian. What I learned in history, right? In China, ancient China, you know, when their dynasties, right? They used to give little boys toys that were productive to life. They used to give girls broken toys. Now, the reason why they did that was they could, they wanted to tell the little girls that you were inferior to the boys at a young age. When the girls grew up, they automatically, because they systematically have been oppressed from a tender age, automatically were obedient to all of the men. Automatically. And the reason why is because they were brought up being less than. So, if we attach that analogy to what happens in our communities, right? You have these young boys, right? I'm, I'm a football coach, so I see this all the time, right? You have these inner city kids. The whole, their whole life, they're brought up to say, you're less than, than your white counterparts. You don't deserve that funding. That funding, in fact, should be given to prison systems because you you can't get yourself together in school. So, you're telling them you're a failure. You're never going to amount to anything. You're always going to be a failure. Your whole life, you've been given this rhetoric over and over and over and over again. It only takes but a certain amount of time for your brain to believe that rhetoric. And if there isn't any reinforcement from somebody who isn't, you know, of that ilk of you're going to be this, you're going to be bad, you're going to you're going to be a failure. You're going to then believe, okay, well, everybody's telling me I'm a failure, so I guess I have to fulfill my prophecy. I guess I have to fulfill that that failure mentality. I guess I have to do what they're telling me I have to do because everybody is explaining to me that I'm going to be a terrible human being. I'm going to go to jail. I, that's where I'm going to live. I will be in the penitentiary system in and out i'm going to get this fast money on the street i'm 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 gonna live on 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 welfare i'm a, i'm gonna live a terrible life i'm gonna have children not take care of them and 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 they're going to reinforce this negative stereotype over and over and over again so you're going to be stuck in that circle see a big thing that i advocate for all the time is mentorship those of you young men and young women who are of college age or even a bit younger. I'm yeah, a bit younger. Those who are teenagers who have your head on straight. Go to the children and tell them that there is a better way out here. You don't have to be what they want you to be. You don't have to see what they want you to see. You need to travel the world. You need to travel the US. You need to find yourself. You need to understand that it is something bigger than the little city that you're in. I had a kid who place for me and there was a recruitment camp in Maryland at Towson University I took him to the camp 
with another kid who was getting recruited. And we went to the camp, he saw the campus, and he was amazed at everything. And I was sitting here pondering, why is he so excited about everything? I'm confused. The reason why he was excited is because he's never seen anything outside of the city of Philadelphia. He's never seen any of the universities. Philly has one of the highest concentration of universities in a city in the U.S. They have tons on tons of different educational places down here. Downtown alone, I think we have about 30 colleges just downtown. So, and then you're not even talking about the bordering areas, which are easy to get to. This kid has never been to any of them. So, what I'm trying to say is, we need to expose our children. We need to expose the kids to things that are positive in life. We need to enforce stereotypes that are positive stereotypes, not negative ones. We need to tell them, listen, young young black and brown boy, young black and brown girl, you are as important as that Caucasian person, as that Asian person. You are as important. You're not more important. Don't get that wrong. You're the same amount of important. So you should be afforded the same amount of liberties that that young person is afforded. And until we can get to that point in society, our society is going to be bad. But I think that we're getting more and more progressive. And I also hate that word progressive because progressive to me is a cop out. When you say progressive, that just means we're moving towards something. Now, every time, ever since I was uh, an eighth grader, I heard the word progressive. There's nothing progressive. There, there is nothing progressive. Progression does not, should not take this long. We should be moving faster. And now everything's expedited because of the riots. It took for destruction of cities for us to become progressive. We need to really focus on education. Like, I keep coming back to education. I, and it's something that I feel like I cyclically come back around to. Probably because I value my own education, both, both you know, in a traditional sense and in a, you know, self-guided sense. I value education. And I remember uh, Philadelphia, like, I don't remember, did you have to take an Af- uh, African-American history class? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so everybody has to take it. Yeah, everybody has to take African American history class. But Philadelphia is one of the few cities school in, districts which, in which that in which is in which is mandatory and is also fairly new within mm-hmm. this the past two decades. It's very new. Mm-hmm. Um, I had so many issues with that class because it felt like we spent. 90% of our time talking about slavery, slavery. Mm-hmm. In, instead of talking about all of the other great incredible things positives. that like right all the all the positives so you know you have this whole course I come I'm coming into this course I'm thinking you know up until now only thing <laughs> I've heard about you know black history is slavery and you know and Martin Luther King that's it that's really all we really talked about in any mm-hmm. of my classes I'm so excited I'm so pumped like this class is all about my people mm-hmm. and their history in this country and, you know, I'm also hoping this is going to shed some serious light onto people who don't who aren't well versed in black history, right. you know. And instead, it just it was so disappointing because I was like, now I know because I have I have a, an incredible support system, an incredible family at home who always taught me about my history and always taught me the positives and the incredible things that the, 
that black people in this country have done but not everybody has that not everybody has that basis whether that just be like from a standpoint of your family doesn't have as much education so they can't feed they can't feed that forward to you they can't give that to you or you know just the system that you're that you're existing in in your school system you're it's so it's talked about so little and so uh infrequently that again all you know is that black people were slaves and it was just so frustrating because I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a great opportunity for everybody. Mm-hmm. Left the class frustrated because mm-hmm. I was like, we literally spent, if there's nine to ten months in a year, we spend 90% of that time on slavery. slavery. <laughs> now, that's, a, that's, that's called a tool of oppression. Yeah. So, so the reason why you spend so much time on slavery is because they want to remind you you're not a person. You're right. less than a person. And that's the reason why you get treated the way you get treated. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sad and it's unfortunate, but that's the reason why. See, America was built on the foundation of free work from slaves. Mm-hmm. It was built on the backs of black people who were captive. Right. And, and, and had, well, black people and Native Americans were captive and had to build up the society. See, a lot of the things that we have currently in society, including like this light that we're using, would not be possible. If if it would not be possible if there were not black people. See, we've given several different several different contributions to society as 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 a people. See SpaceX program, right? Space program. That wouldn't be possible without a black person. You've seen the movie Hidden Figures, which was a story that many people didn't know about up until recently. Mm-hmm. Why? You know? The, the 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 precursor, there's a very fundamental and essential uh, invention and device within every single cellular device that exists on this planet to this day. And that was invented by a black man. Mm-hmm. So, like... Even though some people might get it confused and say that a black man invented invented the cell phone, mm-hmm. that's not true. Um, but it was his invention that paved the way and the possibility to even have mm-hmm. a cell phone. You know, th- right. and these are just two examples that we've right. come up come Major. up with off the top of our dome. Major, like, and you know, like not having that be celebrated if we're supposed to be Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you know you're we're feed, we're being fed this narrative. That's kind of backhanded of, yes, yes, you're American, but not really. That's how that's how the education system's really working right now. You're you're a, you're a you're a half of American, mm-hmm. hence African American. You're a half of American who will participate in every mandatory 100% American activity, and if you choose to deviate from what we say is the 100% American activities, then we're going to shun you. We're going to make you feel like the villain. We're going to turn everybody against you. And it's going to be a time of, oh, you're a disrespectful person. See, I, I kind of want to talk about, you know, I, I'm a big sports guy. So let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And, and the reason why I want to talk about Colin Kaepernick, which has pissed a lot of you guys off, a lot of people have been pissed off. I don't care. So, so the reason why I don't care is Colin Kaepernick peacefully protested the flag, right? 
Originally, he wanted to sit on the bench during the national anthem. Okay? A guy, uh, a teammate on his team told him, that's disrespectful. I was in the military. That's disrespectful. If you want to protest the flag, take a knee. Take a knee. If you take a knee, it's not disrespectful. Here comes the NFL. Hey, you're taking a flag. Um, you're taking a knee for the flag. You're disrespecting the military. No, I'm protesting police injustice. No, but you're being disrespectful to the military. But I talked to somebody who was in the military and he told me that that wasn't disrespect. No, but you're still being disrespectful to the military. So it took on its own whole big thing, right? A, a narrative, a spin, a propaganda, a wave that was against black people who are protesting injustices in the country that they live in. And they say, you're disrespecting the military. Well, I have news for America. You disrespect the military all the time. There are homeless veterans. There are people with no legs who don't have health care. There are people who die in God-forsaken conditions in, in, in countries that we more than likely should not be in. And what do they get in return for their efforts? They get a folded flag. A folded flag, a pine box. And you tell your, their family, I'm sorry for your loss. He was an American hero. Well, you know, black people have been in every major war in the whole time of the United States. From the Revolutionary War to today. To today. (laughs) Black people have been and are still in the military. Yes. And I salute those black people who are in the military. And, you know, I don't and I can't disrespect the truth because no, because the military has done so much, so much good for my family. I have so much family in the military or ex ex-military and they they had they got to go to school they got to buy a home they Mm -hmm. got to raise their families they got to travel the world i can't knock them for that but don't make it seem like we're we're being disrespectful right because even if you can't understand what real disrespect looks looks like Mm -hmm. you know i i like you were talking about that homeless vet stat is heartbreaking ridiculous. heart-wrenching Absolutely and I'm like, ridiculous. again we talk about you don't disrespect the troops you know we we stand with our troops and i'm like mm-hmm. okay but why why is the va overcrowded and over overwhelmed why can't why do we have homeless vets on the streets who can't yeah. get mental health services like it's these kind of things you want to help the vets you want to serve you want to honor the vets who fought for this nation mm-hmm. yeah you probably should be extending the services that they are in desperate need of. Let me tell you about when there were parliaments all across Europe. What they used to do with these various different parliaments, they used to have knights. Now, knights were the most respected people in the community other than the royal cabinet. And the reason why is because the knights protected the kingdom from outside invaders. The knights were military. When the knights came back home from fighting, whether they were stabbed, whether they lost an arm, whether they were in bad shape, the entire kingdom took care of the knights. You know why? Because they were important. They were the defense of the kingdom. Without the knights, the, the kingdom would be raided and destroyed and taken over. Bad things will happen to the kingdom. The United States 
all these military, we have the largest military in the world. And they're not taken care of like those knights were taken care of. They're not taken care of like they matter. Yet, we kneel for the flag and we're the ones being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. To me, the real disrespect is the fact that there's been people to fight for this country and they've been wronged by this country. The real disrespect is there have been black people to fight for the country and, and they come back home all the white people are war veterans and war heroes and celebrated and confetti and everything and the black people have to go to the colored only room the black people have to eat the slops the black people are treated less than but they were as instrumental as their counterparts so who's the real disrespectful people in this equation you see drew Brees came out and he said no it's disrespectful to take a knee for the flag i had two granddads who fought in World War II. And they were war heroes. So when you take a knee for that flag, guess what? You're disrespecting my military. You're disrespecting my granddads. Oh, really? We're disrespecting your grandfather, huh? Well, ask your grandfather about those black men who fought with him. Ask him what it was like when they came back home. Ask him what type of patriot welcome did they... Ask them why. Ask them why were the same people who were shooting at the same enemies, who were shooting at the Nazis, same people who were shooting at the Viet Cong, the same people who were shooting at the British. Ask them why they came home and they were less than a person, still struggling, stuck in bad communities, oppressed, beaten, thrown into jails, and treated like less than for hundreds upon hundreds of years. Yeah, I would, I would love to see that one answered. <laughs> I would love to see that that question answered because it, it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me um, on the note of the military and in the context of this conversation we mm -hmm. talk about black lives matter I, like like I was mentioning earlier just the increasing militarization of police of police mm -hmm. it's really getting ridiculous like it's it's I mean, like, okay, so I can say I remember distinctly that after the death of Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. I developed a genuine fear of the police. Like, at that point, I hadn't really had... And I wasn't even a police officer. Right, and I wasn't <laughs> a police officer. Um, but, you know, they called him a vigilante, which in my eyes said he thought that he was the law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you add in Mike Brown and all that, and it just makes, make, makes things worse. But I remember that feeling that gut-wrenching feeling because he and i me and chayron are about the same age mm -hmm. or we would we would be about the same age mm -hmm. and so that happening to him at that time it just felt it just tore me up because i was like that could have been me yep. that could have been any of my friends you know somebody could just make the decision to end my life um and be upheld and be upheld that staying your ground that upheld it uh Qualified immunity is what upholds a lot of these officers when they act with excessive force or act out of the law. You know, um, for anybody who doesn't know what qualified immunity is, qualified immunity protects a government official from lawsuits alleging that the official violated uh, the plaintiff's rights only 
allowing suits in which officials violated a clearly established uh, statutory or constitutional right, which means that basically in practice how this works is that unless a case word for word verbatim has happened previously, mm-hmm. police officers are not forced to be held mm-hmm. accountable for their actions because it was seen as necessary in order to get the job done and uphold public safety. Um, in Malley versus Briggs, a Supreme Court case mm-hmm. from 1986, the, the Supreme Court defined qualified immunity as provide as it provides ample protection to all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate the law. But I still question, like, that That was one of the many uh, definitions over the years that has tightened the, the use and the practice of qualified immunity in civil cases or civil lawsuits against police departments. I question, you know, protection to all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate the law. I struggle when you see police shootings, police killings, in wrapping my head around how that's not a clear violation of the law. Like, right then and there, you're ripping away somebody's constitutional right Right. to their Fifth Amendment right. You're you're ripping that away from them, their right to a trial. End of the day, it doesn't matter how long somebody's rap sheet is. Mm -hmm. It could be down the block, around the corner, and 12 times around the globe for all that I care. At the end of the day, in this country, we believe that you are innocent until proven guilty, and you have the right to have your day in court. Mm -hmm. Thus, in front of a judge and a jury in a court of law. You know, so if you are a police officer and you, regardless of what you may perceive as danger, Mm shooting somebody sending a bullet through any part of their body should be of the last options literally there should be no other possible solution um way out you know to a way to protect you the community and the and even the uh the suspect Mm -hmm. you know there's no way there's absolutely no way that you can get out that situation except for by using deadly fatal deadly force you know then you shouldn't if you analyze the situation if there is evidence whether that be photographic video physical whatever it might be that shows you know the context of the situation if it can be ruled that you could have used some kind of other de-escalation if you want to be part of this effort towards de-escalation into actually policing these communities in an effective way then you would be holding these these officers accountable when they step out of line you know officer Chauvin who killed George Floyd he had like 18 to 20 other incidents in his rap sheet himself like he had prior before this even happened you know before we even were in the streets rallying around the death of George Floyd you know this man has already had multiple, not like a couple, not one, two, but like multiple, several, an obscene multitude of cases of incidents brought up to him and brought against him beforehand. Mm-hmm. That should have been a sign. Like, you can't have this man on the force. He's not, 
he's not protecting and serving he's not serving this community he's not protecting them he's terrorizing them I think qualified immunity grants invincibility to those with a badge yes qualified immunity allows for you as a police officer to treat anybody in your community as you see fit and there are several officers in fact in Philadelphia right specifically southern Philadelphia there's there there was I'm not going to speak on there still is but there was a gang of racist police officers now there is a there is a rapper named Meek Mill who was falsely convicted on a gun charge in in the premise that he pointed a gun at an officer a 16 year old african-american male pointed a gun at a police officer and is alive makes absolutely no sense to me because we have seen people on camera with toy guns riddled with bullets people running away from the police riddled with bullets people on the ground riddled with bullets people completely submitting riddled with bullets so the premise that a 16 year old african-american male in a racist neighborhood could point a firearm at a police officer and not himself be fired upon is a very very unbelievable situation so here we go Meek Mill goes to jail he just 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 like two years ago 2018 got off of those charges because the greater circuit courts of Philadelphia determined that the cop that arrested him had a track record of racist violations and wrongful arrests throughout his entire career now why was he protected qualified immunity but what else is worse about qualified immunity is police culture so qualified immunity allows for police to say you know what you're blue i got you mm -hmm. no matter what you do i'll cover for you right no matter how it happens i'll cover for you see the police officers they want all of these criminals to 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 tell on each other they want them to snitch rat whatever you want to call it but whenever one whenever one of these police officers does something that is blatantly absurd on its face nobody says anything how you gonna expect us to snitch if you won't do it to yourselves like for real how are you gonna establish trust if mm -hmm. you know we know for a fact that if your partner does something crazy and hurts somebody then you're not gonna say anything and also on top of that it's just culture is so toxic is that when people do stand up and they do say something they speak out and they say something like hey this officer was acting way out of line using ridiculous amounts of excessive force you if they make a complaint it's the complaining officer the one who brought up the incident in the mm -hmm. first place and reported it they're the one who's on the chopping block they're the fun. one exactly they're the one who's risking their livelihood they're risking their pay their pension their health insurance all this other stuff you know just because they were they're trying to do their job correctly they're actually taking in to consideration and they're actually trying to protect and serve these communities how are you in a profession 
that you're supposed to protect and serve. Yet the communities that you are supposed to protect and serve are frightened of you. I don't ever remember going to the doctor, past being a little kid, of course, <laughs> and being afraid of the doctor. I don't ever remember seeing a firefighter and saying, whoop, let me get out the way of the firefighter. I don't want no smoke with him. I don't ever remember seeing paramedics and being disturbed and having a gut feeling that something bad was going to happen to me. I don't ever remember being in front of any of the other professions that are all supposed to protect, all supposed to serve, all are supposed to help with the common good of the United States in feeling as if I might lose my life today. Right. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it's as simple as that. You know, I really do implore people who are listening and people just in, in your lives, everybody who's listening in, in your lives, imploring and, and asking, please extend some empathy. You know, when people are telling their stories and their real life experiences, people sometimes can feel very uh, tempted to draw on hard data and facts, you know, the, that quantitative data, but not realizing how important the qualitative data is right. in creating the full picture. Listen to people. You know, I don't think that there would be as much outrage and as much uh, energy and, and passion behind some of these movements if, you know, people weren't so deeply connected to the cause mm -hmm. if it didn't affect their lives so deeply right. you know i mean even look at this if you can go and protest wearing masks mm -hmm. during a global pandemic right i don't think there's much ground for you to stand on when people are protesting against police brutality mm -hmm. Yes, it says Black Lives Matter, but we're all fighting for a bigger a bigger deal. We're fighting for police reform, you know. And we're asking these questions now as we're seeing legislation being put into place. Right. We're seeing legislation being written. We're seeing uh, petitions being pushed and heard. Mm -hmm. As we're seeing all these things happening, now we're really starting to question and starting to hone down on this idea of, like, what exactly are we looking for right. you know people are saying to fund the police you know there are about three different camps of where people are feeling right. um they either want some kind of police reform some other people are asking to defund the police mm -hmm. and other people are asking for the complete disbandment of it yep. you know I, I i can personally say that i stand on the defunding and mm -hmm. police reform end mm -hmm. of it you know things like i want money to be put back into education I, I keep circling back to the same thing right. but it's so important and especially when we're talking about defunding things education has been being defunded for decades Forever. decades they have been defunding education ever since schools were integrated they've been they've been defunding more education more. they've been trying to find every way to slash the budgets mm -hmm. you know i have a lot of family who are teachers i have a lot of friends who are in school studying to be teachers because mm -hmm. they want to be educators and 
you know just being somebody who went to public school i know how that shortage of supplies the shortage of resources the, the overworked teachers how that can really affect the quality of education that you're getting but i also know that it's very possible to get a high quality education from public school right. if you know these these facilities these institutions were properly equipped you know whether that be through funding or well of course through funding but you know (laughs) whether that be through you know having more TAs that help with uh, students with special needs or you know we have more after school activities things like that uh, that are so 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 important give these kids something to do give these people give these kids an outlet something to do with their lives you know and encourage them to learn encourage them to ask questions you know I don't feel like this current way that education works is that it is giving these kids the the tools to explore and ask questions I think it's giving them the tools to fill out bubbles I agree. and you know also in the police reform category we can talk about things like adding more personnel to emergency response teams so I that agree. you know if you, if the police get a call for a mental health emergency right mm-hmm. they're not the only ones that are being deployed you know we're also getting the you know a psychologist or yeah. a, a counselor uh, of somebody else who can also come out to the scene and help aid in in the situation I, I think i think when we talk about solutions mm-hmm. solutions for these problems i think when we talk about what can be done to to help you you hit on a lot of different great points i think that honestly you need to you need to vote that's first and foremost yeah you need to go out so and vote important. vote for everybody who is of your best interest i'm not going to tell you to vote democrat or republican i'm not going to tell you to vote moderate but i'm going to tell you if you're of 18 years of age or higher go vote please go vote get All registered right? to vote An- another thing is you also need to do everything that you can to help those that are supporting the cause that you support. If you support the Black Lives Matter movement and you don't want to be on the front lines, that's cool. Help somebody. Help somebody in their efforts to help you in the long haul, all right? Another thing is when we talk about defunding of the police, right? I don't think we should get rid of police. I think that's a horrible decision. Right, I don't think that this we should either. When you, when you get rid of the police, you talk about militarized police. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get rid of police, there's a military and they will come. Yeah. And and you don't want to be here with the military overarching on you. That's first and foremost. Secondly, when we say defund the police, we don't mean get rid of them. We mean take some of this unnecessary funding that they get, some of these armored tanks, some of these armored vehicles, some of these high-tech weapons, these fully automatic weapons, Take them away from them. Take that money and put it into something that's going to build the foundation of the community. Right. Put it into education. Teachers could barely survive off of their salaries. Right. It's ridiculous. Actually, in fact, I went to school in West Virginia. This is how bad this is. Why in West Virginia is it top five in college education for the subject of education? So a lot of teachers come out of the state of West Virginia. However, Public school in West Virginia is in the bottom, the bottom five of education 
in the entire United States. Makes absolutely no sense, right? You talk about public school. You talk about what's going on throughout the whole United States as an entire whole. The public school should operate on the same accords of the private school. There is no reason why they, why you have to use books in 2020 that were published in 2006. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Give this money that is being spent on these prisons. Give these monies that's being spent unnecessarily on a police district. Give these monies that are unnecessarily bailing out billion dollar companies and give it to education. Because if you educate everybody within the communities, you educate them and you make them understand their worth, understand how to be productive in society, understand that there's more things in society, then What's going to happen by proxy is your society is going to advance. When your society advances, you're going to turn out more and more productive people in society, which in turn will create an influx of the economy. The reason being is everybody's doing some type of production. Everything that is happening within society is meant to build up society. So you have a, fun a fully functioning society. So take some of this money that is being allocated for terrible things or unnecessary things cultivate that put that back into the public school system i guarantee you these kids get the biggest the biggest amounts of increases of intelligence the crime rate goes down i guarantee you a lot of positive things start to happen for the community in the 90s at least i know they had home economics they had shop class they taught kids how to build things they taught kids how to fix things in your house they taught kids how to make food how to clean up your house how to do all these different things right they taught them all productive things in which every human being should know another thing is they had music classes right music was a major was a major thing in fact when I was in middle school, I think I was one of the last years for my middle school to have a music teacher. Me too. Music <laughs> music is a major thing. Cultivate this creativity. These kids are very intelligent. Yes. If you cultivate it, you make the better future. You know, in the 80s, when he used to say, I believe the kids are the future, right? So if the kids are the future, why are we robbing the kids of their future? Right doesn't make very much sense to me. at all yeah so before we go because we have been talking here we've been here having this conversation for a nice little while and it's been it's so much to talk about this is clearly gonna we're, we're gonna have to keep talking about this yeah but you know before we go i just want to talk about some little resources that we can that we can all do together to help out the cause like Darius mentioned, like Mr. D. Hurst mentioned, you know, we got to vote. We got to vote. We got to vote. We got to vote, especially locally. I feel like we as a nation think too much on the national level. We're always talking about what the national government is doing, but we're not talking about what the state and local governments are doing. But those are the ones that have the most effect on you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's what's going to be. Who, whoever you elect as your prosecutor, your DA, your um, your judge, your police chief, it's those people who are going to, at the end of the day, 
make the decisions about criminal justice your reps and your um councilmen they are also making these decisions which laws are going to be put into place what tax what are the taxes going to be like in your city or in your town what is education going to look like all these things so if you care about these things you need to vote locally and on the state level yes still worry about the national the national level but put more emphasis on these local elections because it's those small changes which are inevitably inevitably going to change everything in this country also like um darius said if you can't protest donate try your best to donate or help somebody out whether that be like if you don't have means to donate which you know we don't we're not advocating for people breaking the banks for the cause you got to take care of yourself too but if you can where you are able to you can donate there are all different kinds of uh organizations i just like i have this incredible article by new york mag which really it has so like 142 ways to support black and brown communities they have uh, memorial funds for the victims of the recent you know police murders and racially motivated murders there are bail funds for the protesters um those those bail funds then also break into a bunch of different ones one for BIPOCs which is black indigenous people of color um there's black LGBTQ funds there are youth oriented funds there are mega funds which if you aren't sure exactly what cause you're standing behind but you're behind the general concept of equality and you want to you know donate something a mega fund will take whatever your donation is and evenly spread it across a bunch of different organizations and funds um you know incarceration reform police reform health care health care is also a really important thing that i feel like we need to talk about as people of color and as black people which is uh the the disparities that exist that are very real within the health care system and you know share post don't stop talking say her name say his name wherever you can make yourself heard have these conversations regardless of how uncomfortable they can be because they can be really uncomfortable you know maybe change your language up change your tones you mm-hmm. use use implicit bias mm-hmm. rather than racist because Start you know educating people you know just the way that you talk and you approach people at the end of the day we're not trying to cause more division between each other because this is a moment where we need now more than ever we need to rely on each other mm-hmm. and so when we're educating people educate people with care Edu- educate people with patience and with grace understand that where you might have already undone some of the things that you have learned and you were taught throughout your life those people aren't there yet and we need to get them there right. be patient be calm be you know graceful but also don't take any any mess don't take mess i'm not advocating for people to take mess you know call it out where you see it call out mess where you see it and that's completely okay sometimes people need to be told they're wrong right but just you know do it do it in a respectful way unfortunately unfortunately the way that society works is when you are the group facing the oppression right you can't be outrageous 
or angry in right. the way that you want to you be. You need allies. I, right. You know, I encourage everybody out there as we wrap up this podcast to just love each other, man. It's it's a it's a it's one thing to come out and and say, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that and and I think this is unfair and I think that's unfair, but I think that, that everything starts with you loving each other, man. Right. Love people because they're people, not because any other reason than that. You don't even have to like me, period. But love me because I'm a person. Right. Love everybody because they're people. Do not let these 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 jobs. Don't let these these social conditions. Don't let this social class. Don't let these pigments of skin dictate to you how you're gonna like somebody. What that person's gonna be when you have a conversation with that person. Don't be biased just based upon skin alone. Make sure. Make sure that you love each other. Make sure that you love one another. Make sure that you are spreading positive energy and positive vibes throughout your entire area. All I ask is that you support those in need and you love each other. That's going to be all for me. This is the D. Hurst Rock. And this is Kira Joy. This was The Kickback. For more information and resources, visit thekickbackpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at thekickbackpodcast underscore one. See you all soon.